This episode of Attitude Check is brought to you by Altus Professionals. In the business world, first impressions matter. That's why you want to make sure that you're ready when you meet that person who's going to help take you to the next level. They're going to mentor you, help start your company. You want to make sure your style game is on point so you make the right first impression. So if you're in the market for stylish yet affordable men's professional accessories, I'm talking sunglasses, watches, tie clips, ties, dress socks, you name it, head to altus-professionals, that's A-L-T-U-S-professionals.myshopify.com and make sure you use the promo code ATTITUDE10 for 10% off your entire purchase. They're already really affordable, but make sure you use that promo code to get that extra 10% off. Again, that's altis-professionals.myshopify.com, promo code ATTITUDE10. Make sure you check them out, folks. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to episode 20 of Attitude Check. Today, we are excited to have Natasha Main as a guest. But before we jump into that, John Mark, what's new with you? Brent, something I've mentioned before is that I'm a student of John Maxwell. I really enjoy listening to him. So I listen to his podcasts. I read his books. And one thing that he talks about a lot is that leadership is influence. So that means that whatever circle you're in, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's out in the community, if you have influence, then that in and of itself is leadership. So you don't need to have that leadership position. You can simply be a leader where you're at. And that's been something that I've really been struggling to work through and really been trying to take to heart and actually apply it to my life because I know it's so easy to get caught up in thinking that the only way that I'm going to have any leadership authority is if I'm in a high level executive position, which is not at all true. They started out somewhere, executives started out somewhere, and they became executives because they led from within. And I really love that concept, John Mark, because you can ask yourself, when you really want to make an impact or if you really want to change something or change the status quo on things, you might want to reevaluate and take a look at the layout or the org chart or whatever it is you're going into and think what position will have the most influence on the overall change I'm trying to accomplish. And the most real life scenario I think about um, when it comes to this is actually politics because people talk about wanting to be these figureheads, these politicians, so they can change things in society. But when you look at it, there's so much bureaucracy and so many steps you have to go through. It gets you thinking maybe the best way to change things isn't being one of those figureheads or isn't being a politician or isn't being that top dog or leader. Maybe it's finding a way to influence from your outside or your own perspective. Exactly. Leadership is influence. Start with influencing and leading the people that you already know. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Natasha Main. Endeavor to challenge yourself every single day. Engage with your community, effect change, and produce impact. I'm John Mark Radspinner. And I'm Brent Sabati. And this is the Attitude Check Business Leadership Podcast. We have the conversations that young professionals should be having, but aren't. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Attitude Check. Today, we have Natasha Main. Natasha is the Executive Director of Peak Startup. So, Natasha, we always like to open with little icebreaker questions. So, what I have for you today is if you had to get a tattoo, one, what would you get? And two, where would it be? (laughs) Well, I appreciate that question. We were just talking about it. And I would get... um, So, Peak Startup helps lead uh, a week-long conference here in September called Startup Week. So I would get it on my forehead and I would say September 9th through 13th, Startup Week. Um, and that's what my tattoo would be. Yeah. I know that would be super, super helpful for me because every time I see you, I ask when is Startup Week? I never remember. 
<laughs> so are you thinking like a certain font or something, or is it stylized, or would you have in How mind? About Comic Sans? Ooh, maybe. I think I would put an uh, open call out to local designers to help design my face tattoo. Yeah. It's putting a lot of faith in the artistic community. Of the I city. know, I know. Well, I feel like I could at least uh, select out of a couple. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Natasha, take us through your story. So you're an executive director and you're young yes. and you're a woman. So there's a lot of challenges that come with that. And that's something that we've, we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, so take us through the story of where you started, like transitioning into college and then out of college and the job that you had after that into peak startup? I think I've always had a drive to work and um, an urgency behind me around life is short. How do I work as hard as I can for as long as I can to make this world a better place, um, better than where you know I inherited it? Um, and so part of that has come with a worth work ethic. And so for college, I was um, grateful enough to to get a scholar, like a almost a full pay co- uh, scholarship, um, part of a Bonner Scholar Network that put me into community engagement. Um, so I had an internship every semester um, that I was in college, and I got to work. Um, with some really amazing organizations in Memphis. I went to Rhodes College um, around community development and economic development um, and how to kind of bring back neighborhoods that have been blighted. Um, And so part of it kind of just started with working early and understanding that dynamic and all the pieces that come together with working in that kind of situation. And then um, part of it has been kind of, I, I think we've spoken before, John Mark, around what's the difference between like path setting, like this is what I'm going to do in the next 10 years and wayfinding. And I've always been more of the wayfinding approach. I work really hard and I know what I'm passionate about and I gravitate towards people who support me and are interested in the same things and, and want to kind of contribute in the same ways in, in the world and then get to a point where I have to make some decisions and pick the best thing in front of me, um, and then continue to move from there. And so I think it's about learning as much as you can and the um, opportunities you're given, and then moving that forward as you, as you move on. Natasha, take us through the job that you mm-hmm. got right out of college and then the transition into Peak Startup. So I worked at um, an innovation firm in Memphis, Tennessee called Little Bird Innovation. It was spun out of... Um, so. Memphis, Tennessee has a series of um, Fortune 500 companies, one of which is um, FedEx. And so they had an internal innovation firm, and the founders of that kind of came in and and spun off this um, social enterprise around how can we use design thinking to support civic innovation, economic development, and social impact. And so I had the opportunity to come into that company um, as a design research associate and really look at, okay, how do we frame up what these challenges look like um, and worked on three year long projects around access to early childhood education, how to support refugees and immigrants in starting food-based businesses um, through a kitchen incubator, and then um, around micro-entrepreneurship and how the city as a whole could better support makers and artisans in the city. And so that really helped me understand the connection and the intersection between community building and economic development, which aligned really nicely when I moved here around what Peak Startup's trying to do in terms of building a community around entrepreneurs, um, but also 
building a community that has a greater purpose for our city around driving economic development. So it sounds like you've been on a pretty focused path um, as far as knowing what areas you want to be involved in, uh, especially you know economic development mm-hmm. and entrepreneurship and that sort of thing. And I love that you mentioned that you had an internship basically every year going through college because looking back on my college career, um, if I had to do it again, I would have been more intentional about you know trying things early to figure out what I want to do. So is that something that came to you before you got into college as far as knowing you want to give back to the community, you want to build the communities around you? Or how did you find um, that way, so to speak? I think I've always been community-minded. I grew up in a family that was um, very intentional about how they raised their kids and and made sure that we had a ethic and intentionality about what we do um, every day since growing up. And so in middle school, I ended up starting like a community service organization um, and that just continued to fuel my um, enthusiasm for how we can be civic agents in our own community and give back and and to take no matter where you are, you have something that you can contribute um, and that you can connect with people who can support you and you can support others along the way. Um, and so I think I've been lucky in terms of having the mentorship I've had and um, the family that I've had to really support me and figuring out, okay, not only these are my academic interests, but also this is the context in which I'm living and how can I make this better and use the two of them together. That's awesome that you had that path growing up, um, those mentors and role models through your family and other organizations. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you think, referring to the concept of the chicken or the egg, Mm -hmm. um, you hear a lot of people talking about find something that you love and find a way to make money off of it. Was that the situation for you or did you basically start off in these internships and then realize, hey, I can actually do this for a living? I think it's kind of a combination of the two. I've always, and this is what I tell kind of younger folk now too as well, just show up, do your best, find something that you find that's interesting and learn as much as you can. And at the, especially in your early stages of a career, it's about building your skill set. So you can learn so much, even if this is not the topic that you're going to be the most interested in for the rest of your life, learn as much as you can. And then that can translate into as you develop your career and your interest base um, into different kind of subject areas. But I think for me, it, it was discovering what I'm good at. Um, and then also what kind of people gravitate towards what kind of work and who are the people who are going to support me and who are the people that I really look up to um, and feel that I can contribute the most and who, who are my community, right? Um, and I really, I found that around economic development and community building. So it seems like you were doing really well and had a good time learning at the organization you were at out of college. So what drew you to Colorado Springs in this community? Absolutely. I think I have a love affair with mid-sized cities. They have enough where momentum is starting to build. There's a lot of opportunity and possibility and inclusivity around what they're trying to build, but they aren't there yet. So you have an opportunity, especially as a young person, to contribute and to um, look at cities and see what lessons can be learned around how they're developing. Um, And I am really grateful. Uh, I'm married to a a great man, and he ended up um, finishing his PhD and getting hired at Colorado College. And at the same time, I was looking at, you know what, I think I'm ready for the next adventure. I had um, been in Memphis at Rhodes and studied there and then had stayed and worked there for several years. And as much as I love Memphis and all the um, great opportunity and challenges that um, it faces, 
I think we are ready for something new. And that's what brought us here. And Colorado has always been um, kind of one of the top places to live. And so is Colorado Springs. And so it just all kind of serendipitously uh, led us here. And then um, the opportunities kind of followed. So take us through the process of you finding a job because your your husband was offered one right off the bat, but you right. had to go through that process. How how did you go about finding a job from scratch Absolutely. when you knew no, nobody in right. the city? And, and that's where I have to give so much credit to the city. Um, Colorado Springs has been just extremely welcoming to me. Um, everyone I have met ha- um, has offered ways for me to get more involved, new people to meet. Um, and I just, honestly, when I got connected, my design thinking background had connected me to the right person, um, Jacob Green with the Quad Innovation Partnerships, who I think has spoken on this podcast mm-hmm. before as well. Um, and he connected me to someone else, and I ended up on the board of the public market um, because of my background in supporting food entrepreneurs. And that opened some doors for me. Um, it gave me kind of an identity here. Um, and that was really great. And so just starting to to give of myself and just I was fortunate enough to have some time where I could really understand what this community needed and what the opportunities were here um, and how that aligned with my skill set. Um, and then continuing, like I've always been very relational in my life and, and continued to meet people um, and form relationships with them. Um, just as people. And then sometimes that leads to different opportunities and more connections as well. Um, and as I kind of continue to speak about myself around, oh, I love this intersection between community building and economic development. What opportunities exist here? Um, again, serendipitously, uh, this opportunity with Peak Startup opened up and those two things align so perfectly here. So tell us a little bit more about your role with Peak Startup and what your vision is um, you know, for the organization mm-hmm. and for the community as a whole. Because for those of you who don't know, Colorado Springs, it's a mid-sized city. It's a, in a really unique space to where there's that older, wealthy generation, but a lot of newer uh, younger people moving in. And the city's not really well known for startups or technology or entrepreneurship, but it's definitely trending that way. So with so much change and so much potential, uh, what do you see as the future and how do you see your role in it? Uh, that's a big question. Um, but I will say that I'm the first full-time executive director Peak Startup has had. They had several um, part-time executive directors before me who really laid the groundwork um, in terms of, okay, this is kind of where the community is. Here are some events that really appeal. I got to come in new to the community and new to the organization and ask, what's the good, the bad, and the ugly here? How can we start? Where are the gaps? And then how can we start to fill them? And where does Peak Startup as an organization have impact? And then how do we start to scale that? Um, And then taking from my experience with Little Bird Innovation and Design Thinking, which is also known as human-centered design, I went and spoke to everyone I could. I interviewed so many founders, so many adjacent organizations to what we're trying to do um, around what they're doing, where they see the gaps, where they think Peak Startup is doing well, and then also what we could be doing better, um, and took that all and rolled it into a strategic plan around, okay, this is an amazing time here, and this is an amazing opportunity for the startup community, but also to start to change the narrative around what innovation means to Colorado Springs. And so that's really where the kind of platform started to open around Peak Startup. Um, So first and foremost is kind of creating a startup week, which is now an international phenomenon around how do we support 
entrepreneurialism and innovation, but also our sense of place and identity? Um, and how do we make it worthy of our city's potential? And so that's why this year, I think, is so important to get as many people as we can, um, both um, to help plan it, but then also to participate in it. Um, and then looking at where our community is now. Um, what is it that we need? And I think it really centers around, we need a lot of support for entrepreneurs here and starting to um, open people's minds to what innovation looks like. And I think it's a very, at times, privileged opportunity to go after entrepreneurship because it takes so much risk and sometimes you don't have anything to fall back on. So then how do we start to make this very risky endeavor an option for more people to take their dreams and turn them into an economic reality. And so I've always considered myself a bridge builder. Um, so how do we take this group of people who are talented and have ideas around what they think our community needs? And that comes from somewhere real where they have either faced a problem themselves or have spoken to people who have a problem um, and then bridge that to there's a lot of great opportunity around how to make that um, an economic reality through entrepreneurship. And so I think Peak Startup can really start to fill that when we look at um, economic development kind of as a funnel. So at the very narrowest part, we have successful companies who are able to thrive in Colorado Springs and hire maybe 60 people in a year. At the very top of that funnel is how do we start providing on-ramps for people to explore entrepreneurship, innovation, start to play around with their ideas and have the support to then get into an accelerator like Exponential Impact that then feeds them into that kind of tip of the funnel around creating successful businesses. A couple of different points there. One thing that you talked about was how you took time to create the strategic plan mm -hmm. when you came in. I think that's so important because a lot of us have a tendency to dive into something that other people have been doing and just do it the same way as opposed to taking that step back, understanding how can I actually make this better even if that means slowing down for a little bit, mm -hmm. that way I can create that strategic plan and go forward in a way that's impactful. I'm curious, we've talked a little bit about it, but you're a young executive director you're in your mid-20s, mm -hmm. and that in and of itself is a barrier that a lot of young professionals face. Right. But on top of that, being a woman in a very um, conservative town sure. yeah. is also one of those challenges. So what, what were some of the things that you faced coming into Peak Startup, and how have you started to overcome those barriers? I think one of the main things is um, I knew I was coming into an atmosphere um, and a situation that other people had opinions around. Um, but part of my plan was to how do I leverage people telling me how they think they should do my job um, and what this community needs and, and use it in the most positive and productive ways. So I came into this role and the first thing I wanted to do was listen to the community. And actually, those people who may have said, you're too young or you're a woman, I don't know if I respect you. Instead, I asked them, okay, cool. So what, do, what would you do in this position? How can you, how can you support um, our startup economy? How would you um, direct economic development here um, and, and kind of turn them into champions around what we're doing or just find a way for them to plug in in a meaningful way, but also take from them um, really helpful advice and feedback because I really believe that everyone has something to offer. And I think that I have really tried to hone in on listening being one of my biggest strengths. And so I think I just put my ego aside and said, okay, I think this person has something to say. 
How can I listen to them, engage them in a meaningful way? And how can we maybe at the end of the day work together to make this city a better place? So you mentioned talking to as many people as you can, Mm -hmm. um, ranging from founders to community leaders, people in economic development. Uh, Between the different groups, were there commonalities that you saw, whether they be, you know, trends or problems, you know, the good, bad, ugly, the whole, you know, nine yards on that? What were the common themes that you saw in those conversations? I think the number one was that everyone recognized that the city is at a tipping point. We have so much potential, but we're not quite at that critical mass yet. Um, And so with that came, okay, we've got a lot of great resources here, but there's kind of um, a disconnection between them. So how can we better connect what exists here so that we can better identify what new programs or new entities need to exist um, in order to fill the gaps that exist? So one was, how do we better connect each other? Um, And how do we better support a founder or an entrepreneur in navigating the resources that exist and making sure that each person has a warm handoff? Um, Another piece is around our identity. Um, I think Colorado Springs is at a place where we have a bit of a past that brings us back and then, or rather a past that holds us back. Um, But then we have such a bright future And so it's starting to figure out, okay, we've got a lot going for us. Now, how do we start to create a narrative around that? Um, And so I think those were two main pieces is how do we connect what's already in existence and then fill the gaps from there? And then the other piece is around how do we create a narrative around an authentic identity that we have, both within what innovation looks like um, across the spectrum in Colorado Springs, but then also what it looks like to be an entrepreneur here and what the opportunity really is, um, both in terms of how we think about ourselves, but then about how other cities think of us. And so it's partly taking control of that narrative and saying, we've got a lot to offer and we're going to offer it. So you mentioned there being a lot of great resources and opportunities Mm -hmm. for people who are in that startup entrepreneurship community. Um, Can you list a few both specific to the community and in general for those people who are interested in moving into that startup field and taking that risk on to make their dreams into an economic reality? Absolutely. And I will not do it justice kind of thinking off the top of my head in the moment in terms of the breadth of resources that exist. But in Southeast Colorado Springs, we've got organizations like Thrive, um, recipients of the um, Transforming Safety Grant in Southeast Colorado Springs as well. Um, So there's a lot of great resources that are starting to pop up there. Um, But then we also have some great resources um, in the SBDC here. Um, They're one of the best um, that at least I've encountered. Um, We've got SCORE. We've got the Chamber in EDC. We've got a lot of really amazing resources, even from um, our library district. Our library district, they do an amazing job in terms of helping people find the resources they need, um, whether it's from, you know, market research or from getting access to, to new um, resources here as well for to help them kind of develop their businesses. If you're a startup, um, we've got Peak Startup. We've got organizations that kind of support what we do um, in, you know, the downtown partnership, the city of Colorado Springs, the chamber in EDC again. Um, but then we also have um, our first accelerator here, Exponential Impact. But then we also have Catalyst Campus as well. And so we're starting to see some really amazing players um, that can exist in supporting Uh, entrepreneurs in in developing their businesses here. There's obviously a lot of great opportunities for growth and resources for people to to take advantage of to help them develop their businesses and ideas. But what are some of the major challenges you see in the community too? One of our, I mean, and I can speak maybe 
more from the startup angle, which we really define as high growth businesses rather than the um, kind of main street small business that kind of slowly grows through profitability. We call startups kind of the um, extreme sports of the business world because it's so high risk and it takes a very special kind of person with a lot of drive to bootstrap themselves through. One of the major challenges I see in kind of how we lose people to maybe the larger cities um, is one around um, funding and that access to capital here. But that also means we need to have more companies that are investable. Um, so part of it is also keeping people here when they're starting to develop their ideas and having an energy um, here in the Colorado Springs area around entrepreneurship. So I think Epicentral does a great job and other co-working spaces here around um, creating a community. Um, but that's something that we are, are continuing to develop and there's room to grow is around what's that vibrancy, the density, the energy where I can go in to a room and meet a couple people who are like-minded like me and say, oh, you're looking at this coding issue or, oh, you want to solve this social issue. How are you doing it? And then start to help each other or meet the right people who can kind of get us to the next step or help mentor us through the way. And so I think we have all the right ingredients. We just need to get them into the bowl. And speaking towards the investment side, do you mean that more of kind of an individual investor or more of um, seeing venture capital companies moving into the city or paying more attention to Colorado Springs? I think it's a both and question. We need people who can um, make an educated investment around the seed funding level. So between $5,000 and $50,000, but then for venture capital as well. So how can we help these companies who have gotten through the first kind of hurdles and say, we've got a really amazing product. We know it's tested and validated, but now we want to scale it to an extreme. That's when we need that venture capital. And that's where we need people who aren't lured away into some of these you know, Silicon Valley or Denver or whatever, as great as they are, we can support our companies here so that we get the end of the day economic development impact of, okay, they've just scaled massively and they're ready to hire 60 people within a year. We want that talent to come from Colorado Springs and we want those companies to stay here. Comparing it to other places like Denver or Mm -hmm. Silicon Valley and those types of cities, part of the thing that people like about Colorado Springs is that mid-sized city sense of community and that sort of thing. And I think that's a valuable piece of the town that we don't really want to see, you know, diminished or lose uh, as the city grows. So can you speak more towards that community? Because you know, you hear stories about people from here going to pitch competitions in Silicon Valley where everybody and their Uber driver has an idea for a business. So how do you keep that sense of community there while still letting people grow? And and this is um, a term that's coined by, you know, the whole startup community, especially in Denver, is to give first. And so if we take that to our personal connections and say, I got where I am because people helped me along the way. Therefore, I'm going to help other people along the way. When we start to see these big cities kind of explode, it makes it more difficult. Like, yes, you're there and you have, you know, maybe more resources ahead of you, but it's harder to connect to them. Here in Colorado Springs, the network is pretty close so that we're able to say, hey, do you know this person or someone who can help me with this? And somebody is going to help you get connected. And so I think it's just to understand that that is a way that we thrive. 
um, and have a, a really authentic sense of identity here is through our collaboration and ability to help each other through and to take that to the people who come after you. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. You know, having that uh, network is so important for all aspects of, you know, business, personal development, professional development. And I like the, the fact of or the thing that you mentioned of giving first and really helping each other out. Um, but speaking more towards your personal life, do you have some major influences or mentors that kind of helped you um, develop and build that network too? Absolutely. I would not be where I am or even close to it without people who have helped me along the way. Um, I'm extremely grateful for anyone who's ever had a cup of coffee with me and shared a little bit of their story, maybe introduced me to another person, all the way to the people who have taken me under their wing to say, I'm going to help you make it no matter what. Um, And I think that mentorship is such an important kind of component to a strong community and a strong economy as well. And can you share a little bit more about those mentors that have helped you and, you know, a key few of them that might have stood out? Sure. In Memphis, especially, I was surrounded um, with some really great people, especially because I was a college student um, for a large part of it and had, at, at least at the time, I felt like I didn't have anything to offer. I was like, I'm just studying, but I think you have an amazing story. Would you mind telling me a little bit about it? I've had some really amazing mentors there who said, yes, and I'm also going to challenge you to think about some of these issues that you might not be aware of yet. So how do you start thinking about diversity and inclusion in a really meaningful way? But also, how do we start thinking about young people uh, in the workforce and preventing them from getting burnt out by all the things that are in front of them? Um, And so I've had mentors who have really supported me in every aspect of my life. Um, And I think that's what makes a really great mentor is that they respect you for who you are um, and you have your own identity that you're still trying to develop but they take kind of a holistic vision in supporting you Um, from whether it's, okay, make sure you understand work-life balance. Make sure you're pushing yourself to see some uh, areas or challenges that you might be blind to because of your privilege or how you grew up or whatever and challenging me to think about them. But then also to say, no one's beginning of their career is graceful. Like, (laughs) in in all honesty, like you're going to stumble, you're going to have all these maybe errors that you wish you didn't have to go through, but we go through them the hard way. And that's part of life. Um, And to have a mentor to say, it's okay, here's how you get better. Um, And I think it's really important to learn how to listen to that and to um, cultivate those relationships and to give thanks and gratitude. Like I would not be where I am without some of the support I've had. Natasha, what have been some of your biggest aha moments? When I say aha, it's a nice way of saying failure. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's a good one. Um, I think one of which, and, and this is coming from my own personality, is kind of thinking that because I'm young, I have the least to offer in the room and that I give away maybe too much of my light and energy. Um, So one of my biggest aha moments was um, through a mentor saying, protect your light. You have a lot to offer. Um, Yes, you're maybe not the most experienced person in the room, but you have a lot to give and that there is a different advantage that youth has um, in the workforce um, and that it's very complementary to the people who are more experienced ahead of you. And that was an aha moment for me to say, oh, I can maybe have more confidence here and I can 
uh, move forward and say, yes, I'm absolutely always going to be the person who might listen the most in the room, but that doesn't mean I don't have something to offer. Um, and I have a lot of energy that I can give. Um, and so that was a big aha moment. Also, um, on the other end of the spectrum is, um, I also have a lot to learn and that's okay too. And so I think at and I apologize for not being more specific on this in terms of, oh, I have a great kind of like learning moment. Um, but I think one of my learning moments was also team dynamics. I went into a firm and I was told that amazing work was being done. And that's what I was most attracted to. And then I was also warned by people who were working there that they had some cultural issues there. And I was like, Psh, Whatever. Like, if as long as the work's interesting to me, I can put up with any team dynamic. Hmm. And that was a big mistake. <laughs> I should have really thought about what was the culture that was being incubated and fostered in these um, places that I was interviewing at. And what are the things that are most important? Because, honestly, culture might be one of the most important things. Um, and for people who are vocational like I am, work is a part of your life that can be all-consuming. And so the people you work with, they should challenge you. They should make you frustrated sometimes. But at the end of the day, they should support you and who you are and what you can contribute. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest aha moments I had, and both in terms of how I want to lead a team um, and be a part of a team. I want to make sure that people are able to be their best selves, contribute the most that they possibly can. But it also made me realize culture is a big deal. Um, and in work can be really interesting and meaningful and all those things, but you also have to create a dynamic and a team that supports every individual who's a part of it. And it's interesting that you would bring that up because an, an episode that we released recently was with Trevor Deerdorf, and he was talking about a lot about culture mm -hmm. because he went through that pivotal point with his company where culture was terrible. And it was his fault because he was the one in charge of the company. So he had to completely restart. And that was when he realized culture really does eat strategy for breakfast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and I, I think you, unfortunately, kind of have to learn it through experience. But it was a moment that really supported me as um, kind of an emerging leader to say, one, leadership is a lot harder than I could have ever imagined. Um, and to have some humility around the people who I've grown up around. Um, but also... Uh, not to underestimate how you treat the people who work for you or who are a part of your team. Well, awesome. As we close out, um, we're going to transition into more bullet questions. So recommend one resource that's helpful for you in everyday life. I would say one of the, the best resources I have found was um, listening to NPR and finding a woman named Maria Popova. And she has a blog called Brain Pickings that goes out twice a week. Um, and it pairs... Um, all these different themes across literature throughout the ages, um, whether it's science or children's books, um, and picks a theme through them. And I think it's such a great way to reflect both on your own life, but also on the life um, that exists beyond you. And what is one book that you recommend? I'm a huge Brene Brown fan, and I found her a several years ago um, through her book, Daring Greatly, and I strongly recommend it, um, both around being brave enough to face your shame and vulnerability and also how to really develop good relationships with others. Well, Natasha, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, I'm sure one parting piece of guidance is the best way to connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Great. Well, I think the best way to connect me 
connect with me right now um, is through Peak Startup uh, and the events that we host. And I cannot thank you enough for what you guys are both doing um, through Attitude Check um, to support our um emerging leaders here in Colorado Springs. So thank you for having me. We definitely appreciate the kind words and thank you for being on the podcast. Absolutely. This is John Mark. And this is Brent. Signing off. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Both Brent and I really enjoyed talking with Natasha. She's just a very genuine and authentic leader. And one of my favorite things that she said in this whole conversation was when she pointed out that nobody's beginning of their career is graceful. And I think that's such an important thing to remember because when you're in it, when you're in the moment and you're stumbling through life, you're failing at things, you're learning, you're making mistakes, it's really hard to take a step back and look at that as a whole process saying, hey, it's not supposed to be perfect. It's not supposed to be a straight line, but just trusting in the process that if you keep trying things, if you keep doing the right thing, that you're going to get to where you want to go. And I think that word graceful is such a great way to describe what life is not. Life is messy. Life can get dirty. Sometimes life can get hard. But just knowing that at the end of the road, you're going to get to where you need to be. I think we've all seen that chart that has success, straight line up. And then next to it has reality. (laughs) It's a whole bunch of squiggly lines. And then eventually you get to the top after a whole bunch of mistakes, a whole bunch of failures, and a whole bunch of learning opportunities. Tap that subscribe button on your favorite podcast hosting platform, because let's face it, you know you want to. And be sure to check back every first and third Tuesday of the month for a new episode of Attitude Check. And follow us on Facebook so you can check in on what we're up to. And follow us on Instagram as well to see some of our new forms of content that we're putting out. Thank you so much to our listeners that share our episodes on social media. We really appreciate it. You can get in contact with us on Facebook or on Instagram. Or you can email us at attitudecheckpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear your feedback. Thanks so much and we'll catch you next time.